0: Episode 39 of Fitness Behaviour of Bevan James Isles. How does that make you feel? Welcome along to episode 39 of Fitness Behaviour of Bevan James Isles, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, it's uh what is it, today is, we're in April now, we're in t- 2014 in April, and uh, it's, it's been an interesting time in my life in the last month because I've had some, I wouldn't say dramatic things happen, but I've had some really cool things happen in my life, and uh as you know, if you've listened to the show for a while, I've kind of my hobby outside of exercise is music, and uh, you know the goal for this year was to start playing with other people. That was one of my real targets. I started playing a little bit last year with others, and it was kind of a little bit Mickey Mouse, and it kind of didn't go anywhere. And so I determined that this year, the goal was to be playing with other people, you know, to keep developing my skills as a player. But ultimately, the reason I play music is that I want to be a performer and I want to be a creator. And if I'm not, if I'm just practicing my skill at home, I'm never going to be moved towards playing as a performer and ultimately creating, because I think as you move towards being in a band, you're going to have to create more. So it was about putting myself in the deep end. And I thought I'd just share this experience with you guys before we get into the gist of today's show, which will be obviously a bit more kind of that fitness mind stuff that I'm into, but it's just been a really good, healthy experience for me to go through in the last six weeks of my life in that... If if you deal with me when it comes to fitness, you're going to meet a guy who's pretty confident, um, pretty self-assured, knows he has a skill set that can help people be successful, and, and also within his own ability, you know, has been successful with exercise and knows how to be successful with exercise. And an example of this in the last month is I had a training weekend where normally I facilitate training weekends. So normally I would go along and train other people. When, whereas this time I was one of the participants. And I went to a module for Les Mills for a program called Grit. And Grit is Les Mills kind of top end, kind of crossfitty, high end, high intensity hits training. And I went along to the module, and I pushed myself as much as I could throughout the module. And it was it was definitely challenging for me, but at the same time, I wasn't that emotionally stretched. You know, I wasn't that pushed by the situation. I, you know, I, I, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't it wasn't hard, and it wasn't that it was easy. But you know, within the kind of place I was within myself, I had my confidence and my ability because I have a, a kind of a history of experience in this area. So while there were challenges deep down I knew I was going to be fine and so I wasn't that stretched and then when it comes to the music side of me I am such a contrast in that regard because I'm not that confident I do lack a bit of esteem in this area I do see my weaknesses I do kind of focus on why I'm not good enough at times and my piano tutor a lady called Yumia, who's um it was a really great piano tutor. I actually, um, when I get my book out, I actually write about her in my book. Um, and she's she's just been really great for my piano playing and that she's helped me focus on what's really going to help me progress forward. And she came up to me a couple weeks ago at one of my lessons, and she said to me, a friend of hers was looking for someone to play in a band, and um, and would I be interested? And I kind of thought, well, you know, This year, the goal was to get out there and play in music and and obviously move towards being more of a performer and a creator. And so I kind of, you know, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to to put my hand up for the situation. So I put my hand up and I got in contact with the guy who was kind of the driver behind the band. And I went and had coffee with him. And when I was having coffee with him, I instantly felt pretty insecure about what I was going to be going through. About about the opportunity that was in front of me. That um, you know, he wanted to put a band together and and uh and I know I felt pretty nervous. And the reason I felt pretty nervous was that the the guy, the drummer, he'd been playing for around twenty years of his life and and as he talked you could tell this guy was just a really good musician. And at the same time he told me about the guitarist who was gonna be in the band and, and he kinda of told me his experience and his ability and to me, it was pretty clear that these guys were well above my ability right now, and so me being who I am and me being the kind of person who believes that you need to move towards growth, I, I said I, I was really upfront. I said, "Look, I'm I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be good enough, but I'm willing to come along and give it a try." So I went along and. Uh, the first practice again, I was just so massively insecure, and I remember just going into the session and 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 in my mind thinking, well, the excuses I'm going to make as I'm going through this experience, and um, you know, I, I was pre planning my excuses, and so I went in, and, uh, and fortunately for me. These guys are definitely better than my abilities. No denying it. If on the guitar, our guitarist is a rock star, and and our drummer is, is bloody awesome as well. And and my ability and my role within the band is is very much kind of, you know, I'm 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 keeping my head above the water with these guys. If you know what I mean. And I have to admit, even as we've gone through a few sessions, I'm still in this place where I've, you know, like pretty much all the work I'm doing right now, and my skills of piano is just around band stuff because I just got to keep practicing to keep ahead of myself. Why, why am I, why am I going to this right now? I I suppose it's it's to year that this has actually been one of the most healthiest things that I could have done in the last 18 months of my life that actually I'm developing myself much more as a person through this experience than what I would have done if I just tried to challenge more fitness growth. As I, as I say before, as I, as I had my grit module, and my grit module, it was challenging, but it was challenging in a way, in a world that I know so, so well. So deep down while it was challenging, I knew I was going to be okay. Whereas when I went into my band situation as a musician, I'm, I'm challenged in a way because I'm not quite good enough, and and not in a that I'm being irrational. There, you know, I'm I'm self-critical in a way that's kind of, you know, pulling me back. It's not that at all. It's just that my skill set isn't of their skill set yet, and so I feel insecurity, and I feel it in a way that's really real, and um, I find myself sometimes having moments where I'm hugely doubtful of this path that I want to go along with music and uh, for example I had a, a session yesterday and we've determined we want to be an originals band we want to be a band who makes up our own music just because that's our buzz and uh, yesterday I sat on the piano and, and but the guitarist and I are kind of the guys who are doing more of the making of the music and the drummer can just pretty much turn up and rock on and and I had a session where I was trying to create stuff and I just I just couldn't I couldn't get anything out and I just went to that negative self-talk, that negative low self-esteem place around my my skill work that, you know, maybe I'm just not good enough to do this. And I'm sharing this with you guys now, and and far out of, jeez, I'm going pretty far into this and we haven't even really caught into what today's show is going to be about, but I'm, I'm sharing this with you today now because... While this is a very challenging time for me and while I see all the next, you know, the next 20 steps on this progression I'm moving through with music, while I see all these steps being massively challenging and and massively filled with doubt and and insecurity and ability, like it's one thing when I'm playing, I'm concentrating so hard that I'm thinking to myself, if we're going to perform live, I'm going to have to work on getting more, you know, more comfortable in my pieces so I can, be in the music and, and be a performer, or put on a show, and, and it's all those things I'm going to have to overcome is the next period of time. But actually, for my trajectory of life, this is a much healthier path for me to be moving along because what I'm learning about myself through this experience is so much more than what fitness for me could offer anymore. Now, it's not that fitness doesn't offer me challenges and, and I can't grow through fitness. But with my music and my life, I'm having to grow in ways that are really stretching me and showing me other levels of myself and teaching me life lessons that I would have never got if I just tried to find another fitness goal. And the message, I suppose, from this kind of <laughs> introduction talk that I'm doing here is if you are somebody who sits in areas of your life where you're really comfortable, maybe sometimes it is about stretching yourself by removing yourself from that area and learning to develop yourself in another area of your life. It's interesting as, as you think about life, life, you know, I was thinking about change yesterday, you know, when you think about life, we, we, ultimately it seems like in society we have this desire to find um, comfort and comfort comes from knowing my life. And so we have this real comfort of, you know, I'm trusted, I've got this job, I've trusted, I, I have a home, I trusted. I have these things. And, and obviously there's a level of comfort that we want to live in. But when we get forced into changing life, often after the moment when the force has been changed, we feel so alive because we're stretched by the change we have to face. And if you are someone who has created a life where ultimately you're quite comfortable and ultimately you're quite confident in your ability, maybe it is a good idea to add something else in your life where you don't have that confidence. I'm not saying that you need to totally disregard the areas that you're confident in. Like, I, I don't want to get rid of fitness. I love fitness and I love the confidence I have in that area. And I have other areas in my life where I'm, you know, I'm confident in my ability. But I'm developing a, a bigger sense of self and a, and a really a better understanding of self through going down a path where, again, I'm insecure, where I am the weakest link, when I'm no longer the leader. You know, my life, I'm always the leader, where I'm no longer the leader, where I keep quiet because I'm a little bit insecure. And I've got to progress myself through these next 20 steps and, you know, ultimately get to where I want to be as as a musician. I wonder if five years from now, if I could do that split of life path, if I could do that, you know, that sliding doors where if I'd stayed on one path, what would be five years from now if I stayed on another path, what would be the other path? And I wonder if I just stayed in the fitness world, how much more evolved I would have been as a person in five years from now than if I stayed on this new path where I'm kind of splitting my life in an area where I'm not so secure. Do you think that in five years from now I'm going to have a deeper level of understanding in myself, be more evolved in, in the way I work in the world and ultimately I suppose have more strings to my bow For me, that's a really important thing that I want to do in life. And and I think that one day, you know, probably maybe 10 years from now, I'll be a comfortable musician. And again, I'll be searching for that. How do I keep evolving this sense of self and the sense of developing myself in ways that keeps evolving me? And I suppose that's the ultimate message of this first part of today's show is have a look at your life. Break down the different segments of your life. What areas of your life do you feel really competent in and if anything it's the place you know you can go to it's, it's the place where if you want a bit of a boost that's the place you go to but then what areas of your life could you bring into your life that allows you to be vulnerable in a way that can help you learn and grow and understand yourself to higher levels and, and I suppose ultimately give you greater life experiences like I love fitness people but I love going and hanging out with musicians as well. I do. it. I love it. It's a different conversation. It's a different mindset. It's a different way of life. And I'm really enjoying that stimulation of meeting people who have, want to talk about different things. And that's what, you know, that's what we do when we start to stretch ourselves in new areas of our life. So as you, as you listen to me talk about this, have a think about your life. Have a think about, think of the different segments. Think where you're comfortable. And then think, you know, where am I allowing myself to be a bit vulnerable And how can I move towards an activity that would allow that in a way, you know, it wouldn't be too consuming. Now, obviously, if someone rang me tonight and said, look, I need you to play at a concert tonight for, you know, in front of a thousand people, I'd probably turn that down because I'm not ready for it and I wouldn't be up to it. But I'm on the path that's moving me towards that kind of place. So have a think, you know, move towards it. My show's weird. <laughs> I, can't <deny> <laughs> I can't deny it. I can't deny it. There's no structure. You guys, you, you listen to this. There's no structure to what I'm doing. This isn't even the main segment of the show. That's the introduction. I normally say, how's the weather? How's the weather? It's, it's dark outside right now. Um, and I kind of tell you what I've been up to that month. But obviously, this is just something I think is really important I wanted to share to you. Today's show. Uh, uh, today's show is an interesting show. I um, It's interesting. I do my mentoring. and I love my mentoring. I, I seriously love the fact that I get to be... On somebody's side as they're moving forward in life, and uh, and it's really interesting. If you're mentoring, I tend to mentor no more than ten people a week. I, I like to limit it. I like to set up a life where I'm doing enough of everything I love and not too much of any of it. So I love mentoring for ten hours a week. I think if I did forty hours a week, it would kind of do my head in. Um, I love teaching group fitness. I do eight hours a week. I love doing my business work. I do 10, 15 hours a week. And so I kind of do enough of everything I love, but not too much of any of it. And with my, my mentoring, I just, I absolutely love it because you see people have massive progress and you see them, um, you know, just move towards, close, closer to the thing that they want to be in this life. And, and really, I suppose that's my role within the mentoring but sometimes it's really funny because you you get different clients have different needs. And, um, and But sometimes you might get two or three clients who have the same need at the same time. And in the last month, I've had three clients who it's not exactly the same, but they all kind of sit within this kind of certain range of needs that are similar to each other. And it's really made me think about this topic that I'm going to talk about in today's show in a lot of depth and it's a topic that I'm discovering through my mentoring that a lot of people really struggle with and so hopefully through today's kind of main gist of the show I'll be able to share some insight and, and maybe relieve you of, of in this area and allow yourself to be you know feel more successful or or find ways to be more successful in this area so I'm gonna put the music on in a second I have got a couple email questions at the end of today's show so you can listen up for those later on in the show and uh yeah and by the way I'm gonna be rock star in the next two years so listen out for my band real soon uh yeah we're figuring out band names and band names obviously isn't the easiest thing in the world to do so hopefully by next month we'll have a band name but anyway I'm gonna put some music on and let's get into the main gist of today's show In your life um, Wanted to I don't know Grow yourself Let, Let's say in, in your life You had a moment In your life Where You've thought You know It's, it's time I make some change And uh, And You know I often think that Our hardest moments Lead towards change So you may be In a really tough time And you've got to a point In your life where Everything Is a real struggle And You uh, they they do say don't they? they do say that often you got to get to your lowest point before you need to change and and I know I've had some people in my life who you seen weren't in their healthy place in their life, but you knew they weren't quite at their lowest point until a change would happen. And actually, I had that with a friend of mine's child not so long ago. Uh, this kid was going down a bad path. Uh, they you know late teens, drugs. Uh, you know, and not just kind of a bit of dope occasionally, you know, kind of starting to get into the harder drugs, the LSDs, mushrooms, and, you know, the more, the you know, much more dangerous drugs. And uh, this kid was just going downhill at a really fast pace, but no matter who you put around this kid or what you did for this kid, they just weren't ready to change. And then I was talking to my friend, and then I was saying how one day they got a phone call from school and uh, they got asked to go pick their kid up from school and, um, and it, it was pretty serious. You could tell pretty instantly within the conversation with the the school that there was, there was a big problem at school. And so they went to school to pick up their kid and they went and they met the dean. So for those overseas, the dean means um, the, the, the kind of the leader of that year's group. So it might be the head teacher for all of the kids who are 15 years old for example. And so they went in to see the dean and and uh, their child was there with them, the dean, and the dean was a lovely character and uh, their child was pulling their eyes out and it uh, turned out that the kid went to the dean and, and revealed how bad their problems were. And uh, my friend, it was really interesting talking to him about it, to be honest, he said it was it was a really tough moment uh, because you wanted to be there for your child and you knew it wasn't one of those times where you're going to be hard on your child because they've made mistakes whereas about punishing them it was he saw it for the opportunity that it was and that the kid had obviously gone to a point which they realized they didn't like the path they were on so uh, this father decided that what they would do is, um, you know, support their kid through this moment and try to, you know, be understanding and work towards a path. and And since that moment, that kid has really made some massive adjustments, and, and it seems to be turning their life around. and It's been pretty obvious. and And often, sometimes you see kind of that place in people. You see people who, you know, it's not bad enough yet. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Like it's not bad enough for me to. I'm not at my lowest low. You know, I've, I've talked about my own experiences a lot on this show, and I know that, you know, I I finally got to a point where it was like, wow, this is, this is, you know, what's worse than this? And that was when I realized I had to shift. Now, that's a, quite an extreme example of the lowest low. But a lot of us will have these moments in our time where we're not... You know, we're just kind of falling off the wagon a little bit. It might be to the extreme that that, that kid went through. It might just be that, you know, it's been a couple of weeks where you've been eating shit food. It might be that you've been a bit slack with your exercise. You missed a few sessions. But you get to this point where, you know, I'm just not in my mojo. And in this time, often what we do is we then, you know, we kind of do a bit of a reset. We, we then think, okay, well, what do I need to do to get me back on track? And so, uh, a lot of people will then look for, search for that next thing. You may buy a book, you may look to do a course, you may pick up a hobby, anything like that. You know, at that time, you're kind of searching for that thing that's going to get you back on where you like to be within yourself. Or, if you've gone to the real extreme places, it's a massive kind of realignment back to kind of or even discovering who you want to be as a person is probably what I'm thinking about. Now in this time we become quite ambitious, in this time we'll, um, you know, we'll we'll think of all the things we can do and and we look at this growth period in a really exciting way that, uh, again, is is quite ambitious. So we'll buy the books, we'll sign up for courses, we'll, we'll get the gear, so let's say, you know, at this time you decide that, Now it's the time I'm gonna start playing music. I've always wanted to play music and you know I feel I I need something in my life. And now's the time I'm gonna play music. So you go and you buy a guitar and you you get some tapes and you know and so on. Now in this time, you know, sometimes these habits do these things do take off and you you know you spend some time on it, but a lot of the time they don't. And one of the reasons is, is that it's almost like we're too ambitious when we start out in these things, and and you've, you know, we've covered this a lot on this podcast in the past. It's the, the person who hasn't done exercise in a long, long time, and all of a sudden they want to do exercise, so they go to their personal trainer and they say, "I want to be able to do eight hours of exercise a week," and you know they're not realistic about how they do it, so it doesn't happen. Or you buy a book that you want to read and you plan to read it at night, but you know deep down that once you go to bed. You're not very good at reading, so you're gonna, you know, you just fall to sleep. So, as you progress forward, the thing that you thought would get you back to your sharp place, and because you were quite motivated and at that time, because you did it with ambition and you maybe set it up unsuccessfully, it can often turn into the thing that you didn't end up doing. It can often be that thing that, ultimately remind you of why you're a failure so so when you see let's say let's say you have decided that you know in one of those moments where you know you needed to shift towards a a better place you went and bought some self-help book and you have all the intentions in the world to read the self-help book because and it might be an area you know you need to develop yourself in and you put it beside your bed and it just sits there beside your bed and every night you go to bed and you think to yourself, oh, I really should read that book. And and and, and it, but really it doesn't happen. So deep down, there's this kind of sense that, man, I never do the things that are good for me. Now, if that was just a once-off, if that was just, you know, once in a while I, you know, once in my life I was, you know, wanted to grow. I was quite ambitious in how I did it. Probably didn't set it up correctly, and there's an area of guilt, you know. It would be worth kind of letting that go. But we go through these periods, we can go through these periods a lot in our life. We can go through these kind of downtimes where we realise we need to reset and through ambition we set ourselves up for failure. And I suppose the big point of today's show is what is the cost of the after effect of that place? What is the cost of having that book beside your bed where every time it sees you see it, it reminds you that you're failing. Now again, if, the, if that was the only thing ever, it probably wouldn't be too bad. But what I've learned from you know some of my mentoring and just dealing with people is that often because we've done this a lot in our life, people have a huge amount of guilt in certain areas of their life where, around things where in the past they tried to develop or grow themselves and it didn't lead to anything, it maybe didn't lead for even the first step happening so when they see those things in them life in their life, it's, it reinforces that they are a failure. It reinforces that they are a failure. I had a client a while ago who was was very much in this situation where, you know, through these moments of feeling slightly despondent or not really happy with themselves, they look for growth and and. Uh, and it was, it was, they spent a lot of time kind of looking for these growth things, and they'd buy lots of books and all these articles that they were meant to read, and they had all this equipment for things that they thought might be the answer, so they'd had hobbies they'd picked up. And and, and really, when we talked about their their house, and their office as well actually, when we talked about their life, it was almost like every part, everywhere they looked, it was just a reinforcement that they'd failed at this thing. And they talked about how they always felt guilty. They always felt guilty because ultimately they weren't living the life that they thought they should be living. It's really interesting when you think about this, isn't it? It's really interesting when you think about uh, you know, h- how this works because I often talk about this, isn't it? I often talk about how when, when we're ambitious, we're often unrealistic. And so people kind of set up what they think they want, but they set up in unrealistic ways. So then when they fail, it just tells them that, you know, I'm a failure, whereas they don't see that maybe they set themselves up incorrectly anyway. And so that's one thing in itself. But the thing I'm more interested about today is imagine always living in guilt and always having constant reminders of why you are unsuccessful in your life. Now that can't be a healthy place for you to live in, that can't be good for your mind. If you've got that gym card in your wallet because you intended to join a gym and, and every month you see that bank statement on your gym fees going out of your bank and you know you haven't been to the gym for a year, every time you see that bank statement, does that cost you a little bit of guilty energy? If you've bought some home equipment you know, exercise equipment that was going to promise the six-pack abs and, you know, every time you walk into that bedroom where it's hidden away and you see it there, is that a reminder that you're a failure? The books that you've bought that were, you know, designed to help you get out and do this thing, the courses you signed up for that you had to pull out halfway through, does that constantly remind you or make you feel guilty and reinforce that you're a failure? Now, again... The cost of that is massive, because every time you see one of those things, you are telling yourself, I'm a failure. And if you start to self-perceive yourself in that way, how is that going to limit you when you look towards moving towards new opportunity for realistic growth within your own ability? So I suppose, again, the real message of today's show is, how much guilt are you living in within your life? How much guilt are you living in your life that actually A, restricts you and B, makes you feel bad about yourself because you're not doing the things you feel you should be doing? If we can if we can acknowledge that this is happening, if we, if you can look at your life right now, if you do a bit of a mind sweep of your life right now, and obviously this is a fitness podcast so you could do it on the fitness front, but you could probably see a few areas of your life where, you know, it's that whole thing of, oh, here I go again, I, I haven't You know, I haven't completed this, or I didn't do this, and and then you think of what have been the effects, or not the effects. What's the word I'm looking for? What have been the aftermath of that place? So the aftermath, and and it's probably not the right word, but you'll get to what I mean is that the aftermath is the representation of me trying to grow in the past that still sits there now. So it's the book beside the bed, it's the gym membership within. bank statement it's the course you didn't finish it's the knitting that you're halfway through but it's been there for three years it's those types of things now what we need to start thinking about is how do you remove that guilt from your life because i fundamentally believe that if you're sitting in a place where you're feeling guilty all the time it's not healthy for you first of all but it's probably not going to move you towards action towards creating the life that you want And one thing that we can do is start to consciously remove those guilts from our life and so that we can, you know, so that you don't live in that place anymore. You know, you've heard me talk about this on the show and you'll hear me talk about this, you know, my runners and all the people I deal with with fitness is that, you know, feeling bad about yourself and being hard to yourself often doesn't lead to change. You know, people who hate themselves because they don't exercise, they don't end up exercising because of that hate. They stay in a place of hating themselves. And it's the same thing with this guilt. Feeling guilty doesn't often lead to action. Feeling guilty about not reading a book doesn't go, that doesn't mean you go, yeah, that means I'm going to read the book tonight. Or just see yourself It's that big sweeping statement of myself that I'm a failure that probably comes along most of the time for most people when they're feeling guilty. So if we can acknowledge that this is true and we can understand this and we can look at our lives and see where, you know, maybe through ambition in the past where I tried to grow, I've, I've, I've gone for ambition and maybe set myself up unsuccessfully and I have all these representations in my life that make me feel guilty and reinforce that I'm a failure. Well, then we can start to put strategies in place that are about removing those things from our life. So I suppose, you know, if we're going to think about this, there's probably a few things that we want to do. The first thing is, is that we've got to assess where the guilt is coming from. So if there's a process to doing this, the first process is to assess where the guilt is coming from. So what are those things in your life where you are feeling guilty because you're not doing it? So it might be the book beside the bed. Again, it might be the gym membership. It might be whatever, you know, it might be that ab, I don't know, the six-pack ab thing in in the spare bedroom. What are those things in your life that make you feel guilty? Now spend some time really assessing what those things are And and I would almost do like a mind sweep of my day You know when I'm in my office what is that thing When I'm at home what are those, those things And really identify what those things are So it might be that guitar that sits dusty in the lounge Which when I get home I always think Oh I should play guitar at night But I don't, I sit down and watch TV So figuring out what those things are once you've figured out what those things are, the next step is to really assess where those things sit in your life. And the first thing we need to do is to go, is that thing needed in my life or not? And uh, so let's say the book beside the bed. If that's beside your bed for six months and you haven't read it and you have all good intentions of reading but it never gets read, maybe you get rid of the book. Maybe you throw the book away maybe, you know what, that book's never going to get read, it's out of there. And I'm going to make my beside my bed a cool place so when I get to bed I don't feel guilty, I actually feel relaxed when I get to bed. So instead of having this this object that makes me feel guilty before I go to bed, I'm going to make my bedside cabinet really, you know, just makes me feel relaxed. So it might be I have a photo of someone I love, I might have one of my favourite sayings there, I may even have an incentive if that's the path you want to go down. So So Identify all the objects that make you feel guilty, and then the first step is: of those objects, which ones should I just remove? Go through all those objects and, you know, or, or or representations of things, and think: should I just remove this thing? Now that will declutter your mind a lot. Anyway, the second step is to go: if I don't want to get rid of this thing have i put this in the wrong time or have I put unrealistic realistic expectations around how to make this thing work in my life so we'll use the book as an example again and you might go you know what obviously me reading a book at night is not going to make me successful it's set there for six months it hasn't made me successful it makes me feel guilty and i don't want to get rid of this actually i do i feel at some stage this book is going to be valuable to my life so i do want to read it at some stage so realistically, knowing what I know right now, how can I successfully remove the guilt of this book and put it in a time and in place where it will happen? So you might say to yourself, okay, I know when I go on holiday, I get a really good opportunity to just read books, and I, and I love reading books on holiday, and I have time. I can When I'm on holiday, I can read for three hours a day, and it just happens. So I'm going to put this book aside when I... You know for my next holiday i'm going to remove it from my bedside cabinet and i'm going to go put it in my travel bag so that when next time i go away on holiday i know that i'm going to get through that book so in that situation if you don't want to remove the object or thing that represents failure or guilt in your life you're then placing it in a time and a place where there's a higher chance that it will happen a higher chance that you'll actually have the time to do that thing well. And it's really important that you do set that up in a a really realistic way so it doesn't then create guilt where you go to the next thing. Once you've gone through these steps, you should ideally be in a place where, you know, I suppose first of all, this will take a bit of time and energy to do this, and so you may want to plan, do a bit of pre-planning around thinking around those different areas of your life. So once again, you've assessed where you feel guilt um, by these things that represent that guilt, and then you've identified what those things are. And then I, I would really plan a time, maybe it's a day, you, know, you choose a Sunday, or or a certain time where you kind of just cull through those things. So, you know, you get rid of those things that no longer have any value, just make you feel guilty. And then the second thing is is with that area of, you know, do I put this in a time and a place where it could work in the future? Um, but be realistic when you get to that step as well, because you don't want to then just delay offsetting that, that thing that makes you feel guilty. So, okay, if it's like the book situation where you're going on holiday, do that. So then you want to have a day where you totally declutter all your life. And and, and really it's about removing the guilt. So, you know, do that as well. One thing that you then need to be careful of is not just going back to replacing those things with more guilt back in your life. So then, you know, if we go back to the first stages we were talking about with this podcast where you have those moments where you feel dissatisfied in self or, you know, and you look towards growth, then one of the key lessons is to go is to not set up more things that just make me feel guilty. And I've talked about this a lot in the past on the show, but it's really going back to that being realistic around your expectations, around what you can do right now. So what you can do at this is you can look, you know, once you've kind of decluttered everything, is look to where you made mistakes in setting up your growth in the past. So when you're at a bookstore and you're looking at a book that, you know, really excites you, the mistake, the lesson you'll learn is that, well, I should buy that when I go on holiday. And you may even determine that you know that within your life that you have right now, that you can only read three or four books a year because on holiday is the only time you can read. So that way that if you're going to choose three or four books, you're going to choose the right books to use at that time. Or you could look for alternative options. I know I, I've talked a lot about how much I love audiobooks on this show. And so you could get some audiobook version of it in which you could listen to when you're driving in the car. So, when you think about this, when you think about your growth for setting up the next period, we don't want it to go back to creating more guilt which you'll experience later on. We want you to then be realistic and look at what you've learned from this experience to so that you set up how you grow in the future. From there, it's really about learning to live without the guilt. And this is where it's really exciting. If Imagine, like, for the person who's been listening to this and you know that deep down you've sat in guilt in this area with, you know, these kind of representations for long periods of time, think about how much energy cost that has been to you, that every time you look at that bank statement, that every time you go to bed, that every time you see that ad machine, when you see all those things that represent guilt, there's always those little chunks of energy that's taken out of your life. Imagine what you have with your free mind if you no longer have that energy-consuming thought happening often. And that's where it's really exciting because now your mind is freer. There's that great film, Fight Club. Fight Club is one of my favorite films of all time. I, I love it. It's, it's, you know, when you do your top five films, Fight Club's always within that film for me. And, and one of the lines that uh, Tyler Durden says in that film is, what we consume ends up consuming us. And today's show is a little bit about that, isn't it? It's that those things we consume when we're trying for growth that we set up unrealistically that will make us feel guilty, so it ends up consuming us. And really now it's about, well, once I've removed the guilt and I suddenly start to become aware that I don't have, you know, this guilt sitting on top of me all the time, then what is a good use of my energy? And, and you know and that's where you know that's where you start to experience some freedom and I don't have the answer for what that would be. Um, I would say look at how you work at different times in your life and learn to make them better. And the example I'll give is I had a client recently and she had this guilt about reading books. Uh, she's a big reader. Reads a lot, and she had this guilt around reading books at night. And she reads, like, she'll read books in the morning and at night, and she reads a lot of books. And she judges the books that she reads as kind of, you know, like thrillers and stuff like that. So there's not, it's not about growing. It's probably just more about, you know, entertaining her mind. And she said that she always felt guilty reading books because there was all these other things that she was meant to be doing. And, um, and with her, what we really worked on is is actually removing the guilt from reading books because. Books for her is a really nice relaxation thing. So we were like, well, let's instead of you worry, feel guilt about reading books. Let's allow yourself to read the books without the guilt and make your reading experience even more enjoyable. So you know, maybe put the heater on, get a nice glass of wine, sit down and read a book. You know, get yourself in a place where you really relax so you can enjoy the book reading experience to a higher level. When we go back to the example of the book beside the bed, again. Create up your bedtime environment so that you can get more out of that environment in ways that are really powerful for you. I had another client recently who's um, felt guilty about watching TV at night. She always felt she should be doing things, and uh, so she would be sitting watching TV, but kind of being hard on herself because she felt she should be doing things that are about making herself grow. And we, we we kind of twisted it on its head and on her head, and we said, "Well, why don't you say I'm a you know for this amount of time." I should be allowed to relax and watch TV and actually enjoy that experience as much as possible. And while I know that TV is a bit of a relaxation thing for me, I'm going to think of ways that I can get more relaxation out of TV. So, you know, I'm going to make a nice hot drink. I'm going to lay on the couch. I'm going to stretch out. I'm going to put my favorite show on, so it's really enjoyable. Now, she may want to put some limits. You know, if there was five hours of watching TV a night, it's a different piece. But this person was the person who was highly productive. But you can see that one thing you can do with this kind of mind space that you have is think about the different times in your life. Think about what you want to get out of those times and then think about how I can make, go deeper into those ways with that free time I now have. Ultimately, when we live in a life where we have guilt, we don't have freedom because we are ultimately living in a place where we are always reinforcing what we are not doing. That's what the guilt is. It represents what we are not doing. And when we're in this place where we're always thinking about what we are not doing, we feel like a failure. And then when you have external representations of these things in our lives, we can often be living in this way which are constantly making us feel bad about ourselves. And like I was saying earlier, I don't see many people who beat themselves up that beating themselves up leads to change that they want. It's when you free yourself of that place and you free your mind of all that guilt and allow yourself to sit in a place that's healthier for your mind that you're able to move towards healthier places. And, and, and a classic example of that is the lady of the book. Because the interesting thing was when we removed the book from her and we said, let's make it as relaxation, you know, make that book reading experiences as relaxing as possible. She came back to me next week and she said, you know what was really funny, is once I removed the guilt from reading books, I actually got up and did other things because I wanted to, you know, like my mind was in a different place. And that's what we want you to get to, a place where your mind is free of guilt, that just makes you feel bad, probably just because you set yourself up poorly when you first started. If you can do that, then you can put yourself in a much healthier place, which ultimately moves you towards that better version of yourself. All right, guys, it's a uh, pretty much this month's show for you. So uh, hopefully, you got something from that. I do, I do think it's a really important thing. I I do think we need to be easier on ourselves, and um, and we do, you know, like obviously we need to look at our strategies around different w- areas of our lives. But those big sweeping statements and those big emotionally negative feelings that people tag onto themselves such a massive restricting thing and so you know even when we you know i didn't really talk much about the exercise thing as a part of us today but what are those things that make you feel guilty about not doing exercise or not doing enough exercise and and how can you maybe even release those and then get realistic around what you can do because it's just not um it's just it's you know it's just not a great way to live your life um, I've got a, I got a couple emails. Well, I'm just going to do one. I've got an email here. And it's basically from a girl called, I think it's Angela. Angela. And uh, she basically is telling me that she loves to dance. And uh, she's a 28 year old Brit that's been traveling for 10 years here. I'm reading an email now. Um, I'm a massive fan of speaking out and developing a personality. And during my life, I've had many dream jobs. Um, such as working with dolphins, teaching a flow riding, dancing, and I always seem to find what and follow. I what would I love, so I can't really complain. And I'm often put in a role of someone who achieves things. I find myself currently living in Buenos Aires. I can't remember. I think that's how you say it, Argentina. Uh, because a few years ago, I fell in dancing tango, and have come here to learn as much as possible. But recently I started to find parts of my personality that I'm not happy with, and on top of that, because of the dancing environment here, I am often drinking a lot more than I should in the evenings, and it doesn't really, as it does really calm me down. Living in Tango world in Buenos Aires means that there is a lot of codes about where and who you dance with, who you are socialised with, and if you want to dedicate your life to Tango, like I do, then you really have to apply yourself to these codes. This is where I'm finding parts of my personality that I'm not happy with. I find myself torn, surrounded by people who are in the best in my field, obviously, so I can up my game, and also in a superficial environment where there is a rank for the best dancers and the most known, where things aren't as relaxed. As a result, I'm starting to feel insecure. On the outside, I'm lucky enough to hang around in these circles of peoples who are the top dancers. I dance a lot, I'm happy and I'm having fun, but the parts that come with it mean that I am never really relaxed when I'm socialising. I have to apply myself to the social formality and it's taking its toll. She's dancing seven nights a week she's got here. I'm spending all of my savings and wondering how I'm evolving, if I'm okay with that. She then goes on to to basically explain the situation in a little bit detail, and and she actually, uh, I was meant to respond to this one last month show, and I I didn't get time to. So she actually emailed me back and said how she actually moved away from, um, this situation because she ultimately decided that that wasn't healthy for her. But I think there's some really great kind of questions to explore in this email. So so the real, um, Angelina, the real dilemma she really had was. She has this thing that she's ultimately passionate about, you know, dancing tango, and she wants to immerse herself in the world with the best in the world. So she, you know, made a massive life commitment to go to Argentina and dance with these these elite people. And while the skill of dancing has obviously, you know, evolved a lot through that, the loss of self um, was sitting alongside that as well and when she talked about loss of self there was obviously the drinking aspect of it but it was obviously a social maybe pettiness or a social interaction that she didn't like about her situation and she felt that to be a part of this world she needed to be within this world and I have to admit this is a this is a really tough situation and it's in a situation that a lot of people go through when they move into new environments all environments have their good and their bad. Like, now, some environments have more good than bad and some environments have more bad than good. Um, but all environments have things to offer. And um, with Ange- Angela, um, she's obviously committed a lot. You know, she's obviously committed a lot to, to be in this place. But... Um, <laughs> what am I thinking here? What I'm thinking is that sometimes it's okay just to take the good from the environments and it actually takes a strong person to be able to do that and that you have to learn that, you know, like in Angela's situation, what she, she was aware of the bad, bad side of it, but she felt that to be a part of this world, that's what she had to do and I, I don't know if that's entirely true. I sometimes wonder if you can be, if you set your own boundaries within certain worlds, that most people will probably allow you to get along with that. And so, let's say in this situation, you had determined that once the dancing had finished, you just get into the habit of kind of leaving. Um, and at first, you know, you kind of you, you just leave, and at first it might be a little bit uncomfortable, but after a while, people know that's what you do. Um, Or when there are the socially petty stuff, you just predetermine that I'm not going to be a part of that. And uh, you're just going to predetermine that I'm going to be the better person in the situation and I'm not going to get caught up in the games and going, you know, on the bad side of either side. I remember when I was, when I I kind of gave up my drug life that... um, I was still in the environment that was surrounded with all that stuff and one thing that I had was I I started doing a bodybuilding competition and because I did a bodybuilding competition I I basically couldn't do any drink or drugs or anything like that for for, a six-month period and at first my friends were were kind of discouraging of me not drinking and doing drugs with them but then after a while they just realised that I wasn't, you know, I said no a couple of times and they realised that, you know, that's just how Bevan is in this environment. And, like, and ultimately I chose that I determined that environment wasn't that good for me and moved on from that environment. But for a period within it, I did stay in that environment and shifted who I was and, and you know, to a place that was healthier for me. And the, what was really interesting is that there was that initial kind of uncomfortable social pressure that my mates brought on to me. But then, you know, not long after that, it disappeared and my mates were... Um, you know, they just kind of ticked on. That was just the way I was. And actually, some of my friends came to me and asked if, you know, I could support them towards moving closer to where I was at the person at that time. And I think in those situations where there are the bad of the environment, for the person who kind of chooses not to be that way inclined, they actually start to become a bit of an influencer. And because and, I imagine Angela wasn't the only person feeling this way within that group of people. I imagine maybe if quite a few people felt that way. and if somebody else had kind of like if someone, let's say Angel met someone else in the group who who was different and did kind of go against the rules of the group, but not in a bad way, but in a way that was just more healthy for them. Ange would have been inspired by them and, and may probably removed from them and then over time there'd be a shift in the behaviors of that environment. So you know Angel, you know you said you removed yourself from the environment and I think it's a really healthy thing to do. sometimes if the environment is bad for us, a lot of the time it is good to move us away from it. but I do think that sometimes within environments you can shift like it's funny right now as, as I go back to my whole band experience, um you know the fitness world is such a healthy world and musos tend to be a lot less healthier you know if i'm going to stereotype it you know there's obviously a lot more alcohol and a lot of smoking and there's a drug aspect to the muso world as well and um i know that within my musical experience i don't care about the bad side of that world i want to make music with people i want to create with people and i want to perform with people and uh I will be a little bit different to the culture that's in that world. Now, I'm not going to be in their face about it. I'm not going to kind of point out to them their you know what they could do better in life and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not going to lose myself in that environment. And so where those opportunities where after a gig or if something happens and someone offers me a joint or something, I'm, well, first of all, I won't be in the environment, you know, like I'm not going to be hanging around waiting for people to be offering me joints anyway. But I'll, I'll quite easily say, no, that's not my thing. And that might, you know, have some restrictions for me in the long term but ultimately i don't want to be that person and so you know that's the thing to really think about is when you feel you're compromising yourself in an environment is how can you stay within this environment a way where you're not compromising yourself and maybe are there people in in this environment who you can move towards who look like they're similar to you in that way and you can develop relationships with those people and then ultimately, like Angela did, is maybe even move away from those environments. And I've done the whole show on environments in the past. And that's, again, a really good strategy. I think you find if you do become that person who does shift towards more healthier behaviours, you actually become a bit more of an influencer. Now, one thing I try to do like as a leader, like in, in my running groups and you know in my life through fitness, I often are a leader. And I one thing I'm really diligent on is not down... Like talking about people poorly, like I never criticise other people, I never I never gossip, you know, and, and you know what, we all have those thoughts. I definitely have thoughts about people who I could gossip about, but I, I determined that as a leader I should not do these things. And, you know, you, you seem to get a higher level of respect from people because they know that you're not going to be talking behind their back at the same time. And sometimes being that person who is a little bit different but in a way that's healthier, it actually makes you become the person that other people want to go to so uh, i hope yeah, hopefully you hopefully get something from that and i hope angela that you actually do find your feet and you find you know something that you uh or a place where this can really work for you because you sound like you i love it that you chase your dreams which is a really great thing anyway guys uh, that's going to be this month's show so uh, just a bit of an update on the book the book is just about 90 percent edited which is really awesome and we are looking for a release date in august in this year so we've got one two three about four months uh which is crazy to think about it so we're looking for a release date around august uh we're kind of working on uh, the name of the book and the cover of the book right now which again is kind of exciting um but yeah so it's, it's it's all go and i'm really looking forward to kind of getting that to you guys in the next few months anything else that's happening no if you've got any questions you can email me at bevinjames at gmail.com i uh, spread the love on the show sign up for my email Um, database if you want to get my weekly newsletters sent out to you, that'd be kind of cool as well and that's about it you guys have a wonderful month and uh, hopefully this time next month I'll have a band name for you, anyway, thanks for your time you guys rock and I'll see you soon